Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program. This is episode 16 of season two of the Grizz Weekly Grind, coming to you from the Sawyer Hotel in downtown Sacramento, California. The morning after the Grizzlies defeated the Portland Trailblazers 113 to 103. The Grizzlies have the Sacramento Kings coming up on Friday. Sacramento with a win over the Washington Wizards. Doug Christie, the interim head coach, as Alvin Gentry has been diagnosed uh, as tested positive with COVID. Uh, Today's show, a little abbreviated because we are on the road, so we're just going to get to uh, that was the week that was. And I've also got some PD's points, some observations about the current state of COVID in the NBA, along with some thoughts about the Portland Trailblazers. So without further ado, let's jump right in and get to that was the week that was. On Thursday, the Grizzlies were home to the Philadelphia 76ers, and it was one of those games that you thought, well, maybe this is the end of the winning streak. I mean, Joel Embiid uh, playing well, Seth Curry, uh, you know, this is a team that maybe, maybe the winning streak is going to end in Memphis. Not going to be the case. Seth Curry was out with a shoulder injury. Joel Embiid, a very, very late scratch, practically right before the starting lineups were announced, he was out with sore ribs. So for a third consecutive game, Joel Embiid did not play against the Grizzlies, did not play in either game last season, and obviously did not play in the first meeting this season. Uh, Grizzlies basically took control of this game early with a 37-point first quarter. They did allow 30, but the Grizzlies would lead by as many as 36 in this game, and they won every single quarter. Philadelphia very shorthanded, obviously no Ben Simmons, uh, Curry and Embiid out as I talked about. So, you know, you end up starting Furkan Korkmaz, who predominantly has been a bench player for them. And their bench did not give them uh, a whole lot in production. Danny Green was scoreless. George Niang had six. Isaiah Joe had five. Did get a really good game from the youngster Charles Bassey, who went for a double-double, 13-10, first double-double of his NBA career. But uh, even Tobias Harris, only 12 points. Andre Drummond got the start in the middle. He had six. Meanwhile, this was a Grizzlies team that was playing superb defense. They held Philadelphia to 45% shooting, only 4 of 22 from 3. The Grizzlies, on the other hand, made 14 threes. And how many times have we seen that, that the Grizzlies are plus 10 in threes made? Shot 53% for the game. They forced 15 turnovers. Grizzlies, 29 assists, only 11 turnovers. Total team win held Philadelphia to 35 points in the second half while scoring 58 of their own. They win at 126 to 91. 60 pain points, 28 fast break points. After the game, Doc Rivers said, look, burn the film. We weren't competitive. We didn't get anything out of this game. And so the Grizzlies get the win, and they get to 17-11 and 11 by beating the Philadelphia 76ers on Monday night. Fast forward to Wednesday. Wednesday, going out to Portland. Portland is a team apparently in turmoil, certainly seems that way. Tuesday night, they had played the Phoenix Suns. They had played the Phoenix Suns very well after getting down by double digits. It took a Chris Paul jumper with 8.2 seconds left to force that game into overtime. And then the Trailblazers could not seal the deal in the extra period, losing for the first time after leading through three quarters. Uh, 
at the start, Grizzlies could not make a shot. They started two for nine, but they were able to get in this ball game with their defense. Grizzlies forcing 10 turnovers, eight first quarter steals by the Grizzlies, and they held Portland to just 33% shooting. The one thing that kept Portland in this game early and really throughout the night, five three-point makes in the first quarter. Portland made six shots. Five of them were from three, and the Grizzlies with a 24-19 lead after one quarter. Grizzlies got five from Tyus Jones and off the bench. How about John Conchar coming up with six first-quarter points as he continues his incredibly hot shooting? Second quarter, Grizzlies got a good quarter from Jaron Jackson Jr. He had seven in the period. Meanwhile, Anthony Simons, the young man who uh, did not go to college but instead prepped for the draft at IMG Academy. They're very high on him. Yes, Anthony Simons. Yes, he is named for Anthony Penny Hardaway. He had seven of his ten first-half points in the second quarter, but still the Grizzlies put up 31 in the period. They lead at 55-47 through the halftime break. Now, those of you who remember the game back on October 27th, Grizzlies had a lead at halftime. Portland dominated the second half. And the way the third quarter started, it looked like it was going to go exactly the same way. Portland really found the range from three in the third quarter. They would finish the uh, the third period rather with a total of 12 threes. They were four of 13 from three. Grizzlies really struggled to shoot the basketball in uh, in the period they were just two of six from three Grizzlies also turned it over three times uh, bigger pardon they turned it over six times for nine points in the third quarter and that was a big reason why Portland was able to outscore the Grizzlies 35-25 in the third quarter and it was Portland for the second consecutive night taking a two-point lead into the fourth and final quarter and that's when the Grizzlies went off in a huge way the DB twins, Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, combined for 24 points. Meanwhile, Damian Lillard was one for eight in the fourth quarter, one of four from three. And the Grizzlies, uh, they just got remarkable shooting. Grizzlies through the first three quarters were five of 25 from three. They made six of seven in the fourth quarter. So that mitigated some of the three-point disparity. Grizzlies, a dominant fourth quarter by them. 33-21 was the count in the fourth quarter. Grizzlies come from two down entering the fourth quarter, and they win at 113-103. Grizzlies, in so doing, they run their win streak now to four consecutive games and nine of their last ten. They have won five in a row since that blowout loss at Minnesota. The Grizzlies 7-1 and one in the month of December. If the Grizzlies continue to play like this, and I've said it before, in, the, in this space and in other places, Taylor Jenkins has got to be the Western Conference Coach of the Month. Grizzlies got the best game of the season from Kyle Anderson, 13 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, and 2 blocked shots. The only thing he did not do, did not get an offensive rebound, did not make a three-pointer. Other than that, Kyle covered all the bases. Xavier Tillman, one of his better games off the bench. He had 10, and John Conchar, perfect shooting, 3 for 3. Two for two from three. I did miss a free throw. One of two. Had uh, five total rebounds. He was a plus 26 off the bench. All five Grizzlies bench players who saw the floor were a plus 
Killian Tilly was plus six, but everybody else was plus 11 or better. Portland's bench, well, Anthony Simons had a big fourth quarter. He finished with 22, but if you are a believer in plus minus, he was minus 29. Robert Covington, minus 27. Ben McLemore, scoreless, minus 23. Now, of course, this is a Portland team. They were injured. Uh, C.J. McCollum, collapsed lung. Cody Zeller, uh, a fracture in his knee, uh, will be reevaluated in about a week or so. Same for C.J. McCollum. So a lot fell on the shoulders of Damian Lillard. Lillard, this was his third game back after being out for a handful of games with an abdominal injury. Came in shooting 33%. Uh, did not shoot it well at all. 6 of 21 overall, but 5 of 11 from 3. Had four assists and three turnovers. So it was a very difficult night for him and credit Dylan Brooks for the defense he played on him. And Dylan also, when you look at the entirety of the box score, one of the better all-around games he's had all year. 22 points, seven rebounds, six assists for Dylan and got to the free throw line ten times. His attack mentality was contagious. And the Grizzlies shot very well from the free throw line, 24 of 30. So they were plus two in attempts, but they were minus two in makes. But still, uh, the Grizzlies get the win, 113-103 over the Portland Trailblazers. Grizzlies now 18-11 and on the season. And that was the week that was. Before we get to Petey's points, a reminder that today's show is being brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Football fans, now we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. Those are the best. They're the most fun. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. Could be 2-0. Could be a safety. Doesn't matter. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's just that simple. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their very first deposit. So, download your DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. They're an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 rager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So now let's get to Speedy's points. Number one, what I am most interested to see as the process develops. How will the Grizzlies reintegrate John Morant into this highly successful basketball team? This is a team that rallied around the injury to John Morant. Uh, like few teams I've ever seen. They all took it as a personal challenge to make sure that they would hold down the fort while Ja was injured and now in health and safety protocols. They pulled together. They banded together. They got themselves better organized defensively. They got themselves more disciplined defensively while maintaining their high activity level. And now you've got a team that has stolen the ball 10 or more times in nine straight games. That is a franchise record by two games already. So now, if you bring John Morant in, who is a spectacular offensive player, not as good defensively as he is offensively, and 
he does sometimes, I think, make teammates observers. And, and that's nothing on job. That's just because he is such an amazing player as one of his teammates. I think early in the season, some of, some of, some of the Grizzlies just got into like, well, we'll let Ja do it. Ja's going to do something amazing. Ja's going to bail us out of this pickle. Uh, and sometimes you could do that. I remember when David Fisdale was coaching the Grizzlies, he always had the saying, he said, you have to participate in your own recovery. And what has happened since Morant has been out is that the Grizzlies individually and collectively have participated in their own recovery, and they've been very successful winning nine of their last ten games. So the question now is when Ja comes back, how does this all work? I'm not saying that it won't work. I'm not saying that the Grizzlies will regress. I'm just going to be very interested to see how exactly this is going to work. Rotations are going to change. Minutes are going to change. The flip side of that is now you have guys that are further on down the roster. I'm talking about the Killian Tillys and the John Conchars and even the Santi Aldamas and the Jared Culvers who have gotten meaningful minutes during this winning streak. They are going to be ready in case there is another injury. Remember, the Grizzlies are doing this. They've not had Zaire Williams for for quite a while because he had the knee issue, then sprained his ankle in Miami. They've not had Brandon Clark for uh, five or six games, something like that. So the Grizzlies are working with a short deck themselves, and yet they have won 9 of 10. So this, again, goes to tremendous credit to Taylor Jenkins for how he has managed this team managed it through the injuries, managed it through the different matchups. And I know some people are going to say, look, the Grizzlies caught teams that were injured. They caught teams that were shorthanded. You get catch Portland without C.J. McCollum. Uh, you know, one one game against Dallas, you catch him without Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, you caught Philadelphia without Joel Embiid and Seth Curry. Look, that's life in the NBA, and maybe the Grizzlies are getting some breaks that heretofore they haven't always gotten. But the Grizzlies have been injured too. When you think of how well Brandon Clark was playing at the time of his injury, obviously Brandon Clark is not the level of a Luka Doncic or Joel Embiid, but it's not like the Grizzlies have everybody totally healthy. Uh, and, and, and they're missing John Morant, of course. So that to me is going to be the most intriguing storyline whenever Ja is able to get out of health and safety protocols and the knee will allow him to participate, how he is integrated with this basketball team. Petey's point number two, John Conchar, you are absolutely insane and unconscious with your three-point shooting. And I am, as the kids say, I am here for it. Uh, Conchar uh, went against Portland. As I double-check the um, box score, I want to make sure I get this right. He went two for two from three. Uh, John is now 15 of his last 19 from three. He's shooting better than 70% over the last dozen games. That three-point shooting came out of the heels of a one-for-12 slump. And nobody ever looked at John Contra as being, you know, this fabulous three-point shooter. But he just keeps chucking, and they keep going in. And it, it's really great to see. That's one of the reasons why this Grizzlies team is very, very easy to cheer for. It's one of the reasons that they're fun to watch because everybody is participating and you feel great for John Conchar. And I don't know, maybe you've seen it if you follow the official John Conchar fan account. There's a photo of him when he was in college mopping the floor uh, in addition to playing college basketball. Um, you're just happy for a guy like this who – 
you know, obviously was not a lottery pick, obviously did not go to a, a power basketball school, and yet he's worked his butt off, and he's become a good NBA role player for this Grizzlies team. And um, Brevin and I are just we're, – we're thrilled for him. Uh, you love to see success on any level, but to see the success of someone like John Conchar – who has worked hard, who was not born with, as I like to say, a silver basketball spoon in his mouth, but had to earn everything, uh, it's really cool. And to see him put on a shooting display over the last dozen games where he's shooting 70%, that's just insane. And these aren't all layups either. Uh, A lot of them are perimeter shots. Works very hard on the offensive glass. Uh, About 35% of his points come on second-chance opportunities, which is among the league leaders. And uh, you're just happy to see a hustle guy like John Conchar, play well, do well. Uh, Brevin and I wore our, our Jitty hoodie uh, sweatshirts on the plane flight out to Portland, and uh, we're going to have to wear them again, maybe before the Sacramento game, and hopefully uh, we'll get some more um, John Conchar threes made. That would be pretty cool. Uh, let's get to the Portland Trailblazers for a second because it's a team in transition. It's a team. Uh, turmoil may be too strong a word, but things clearly are not right there. Uh, Chris McGowan, their CEO, left. Uh, Neil O'Shea, their general manager, was fired for cause for creating what was discovered to be a hostile workplace environment. And now you've got C.J. McCollum out with injury. It's a Portland team that started 10-1 and uh, on their home floor. And then after that, the roof has really caved in for them. Portland, as of the loss last night, at home, they have now lost seven in a row, nine of their last ten. They have lost their last six in a row. They haven't won a game in the month of December. Um, there are a lot of issues with this team, and it's hard, it's hard to know where to begin. I know one of the things that Brevin Knight and I had talked about was that there was a need to pull the trigger on a C.J. McCollum trade. Maybe it was for Ben Simmons. Maybe it was somewhere else. But the fact of the matter is they don't pull the trigger – You've got two guys who are can be ball dominant. They're very, very good shooters. It's a great guard tandem. I get that. And Portland got themselves into a situation where they were just trying to find complementary players for these two guys. And their choices haven't worked out real well. Uh, Robert Covington, they gave up a couple of draft picks for him. Covington, a 3 and D guy. Well, he's a 3 and D guy, but he's not making any threes. Uh, the defense is there. They've pulled him out of the starting lineup. They're starting Larry Nance Jr. Larry Nance Jr., nice player, not a great player. Yusuf Nurkic, good player sometimes, mediocre player sometimes. Uh, Has also had injury issues as well. Um, You know, Tony Snell off the bench, not been productive. Um, Ben McLemore off the bench, not productive. Norman Powell has been very good for them, particularly with C.J. McCollum out of the lineup. But again, long term, you know, you look at your your prime players right now are Powell, Simons, McCullum, and Lillard. You're guard heavy. Frontline, there's not a lot there. And you know, you can you can look at a ton of tape or you can look at numbers. Brevin looks at tape, I look at numbers. I'm preparing for the Portland game. I don't know how this team plays. A lot of pick and rolls, a lot of drives. Other than that, it's like I don't get a sense of what is this team trying to do. It is a team in transition. And there's a great story by Mark J. Spears, a good friend, and the undefeated, about how Lillard and Billups are watching video together 
a lot, and they're trying to figure out how to make this thing work. One of the things they were trying to do, get the ball more to Nurkic. First half of the game last night, Nurkic was on the perimeter, which the Grizzlies are happy for him to be on the perimeter. They started to run plays for him in the third quarter, get him closer to the rim, and Nurkic had a good third quarter, and Portland got control of the scoreboard heading into the fourth. So this is a process, and, you know, Lillard is a quiet leader, but after coming back from injury, he said, we are not going to fold. We are going to persevere. He's saying and doing all the right things. The body language by him last night showed great frustration. And, he, you know, he told Mark Spears, it's, it's not frustration about the team. It's not frustration about the front office. It's frustration I'm not playing well and we are not winning. Um, but right now, Lillard needs help. And I don't know what Portland's direction is going to be. My understanding after talking with people in Portland that Joe Cronin, who had been in player personnel for the Blazers, now is the interim general manager. My understanding is he will get a shot for having the job on a full-time basis and have the interim tag taken away. He's going to have to make some very big and potentially unpopular decisions. However, right now, the way Portland is playing at 11 and 18, uh, I saw Moda Center slash Rose Garden as empty as I have seen it in a number of years. I talked to some people in the Portland market. They say it is antipathy bordering on just utter dislike of this Portland Trailblazers basketball team. Um, this is a, a market that is used to winners. They're used to having great players on the roster. They have great players on the roster. They're not winning. Truthfully, I think Terry Stotts took them as far as he could. I don't know that Chauncey Billups is going to be able to take them to the next level with this roster as it is currently constructed. Uh, you know, Neil O'Shea before the season said this is the, the deepest and most talented roster we've ever had. And it's like, no, I, I don't see it. Uh, and so Portland, look, it's a market that desperately wants to embrace their basketball team. But right now it's not very good. There are a lot of question marks, more question marks than answers. And um, like I said, I, I feel badly for the market. Having been there in five year, for five years, I know just how deeply people in Portland care about the Trailblazers franchise, and it pains them to see them now at 11 and 18. And uh, I don't know that things get better in the short term for the Portland Trailblazers. We'll find out. We'll see them again on Sunday afternoon, a 5 o'clock Sunday afternoon tip against the Memphis Grizzlies as they start a road trip and the Grizzlies uh, start a, a brief homestand. Final thing on Petey's points today, uh, it's it's everywhere right now. I'm sure you're reading about COVID and the impact it is having. Chicago's had a couple of games postponed. They've had numerous players in health and safety protocols. Uh, Stacey King, their television analyst, health and safety protocols. Bill Wennington, their radio broadcast analyst, also in health and safety protocols. Um, we just got the report uh, as we were pulling out of Moda Center last night that Alvin Gentry has tested positive for COVID here in Sacramento. Sacramento shut their facility down. Um, I don't know if there are any further positives with the Sacramento Kings that we're going to have to worry about. Um, look, COVID is here to stay. And I know that franchises wanted to maximize revenue, dealing with everything that they had to deal with last year, with limiting capacity, if not shutting the building down to ticket holders uh, altogether. But this, this thing ain't going away. And it is still rearing its head. 
and you know the the more fearful among us are concerned that will the NBA have to put a pause on this season because we are having to postpone too many games because there are too many positives because there are too many players coaches and staff in health and safety protocols the NBA and a players association agreed on uh, a time frame I think right about today or tomorrow for players and staff uh and again, you, you can't mandate the players to get boosted, but everybody else in Tier 1, so coaches, training staff, uh, broadcasters like ourselves that are going to sit courtside, we have to be boosted. And I'm sure it goes for the referees as well. They are going to have to be boosted. The players, obviously, it is strongly suggested that they get boosted, but because they are part of a union and that's collectively bargained, you can't force players to uh, vaccinate in the first place. You certainly can't force them to booster. Uh, according to uh, Shams Tarania, uh, what I was reading is that 60% of the league is boosted right now. 60% is boosted. We've just come off of Thanksgiving. People were with families. Um, you're seeing mask mandates pulled back. Uh, you're seeing, look, go into the arena. We don't need to see a vaccination card. You don't need to be masked. We think we're good. And now we're, we're having this, this resurgence of, of COVID. Granted, the cases are not as severe. Granted, you're probably not going to die from COVID with a breakthrough infection. But the fact of the matter is, this is a rapidly and easily transmissible virus. And from the NBA's standpoint, and we're seeing it in the NHL and in the NFL, it's very, very easy. One person and then geometrically the infection rate goes up and all of a sudden in football it doesn't have quite as much of an impact because you have such a large roster but you only have 17 players on on an NBA roster uh you know you get nine ten guys in health and safety protocols you can't play the game and um it, it is very troubling but this this is where we are and uh, right now I can speak for uh, all of us that, that travel with the team, we're keeping our fingers crossed that we can continue to play games, that we can continue to stay healthy. It is cold and flu season anyway. Uh, a lot of us have felt a little bit under the weather. Uh, thankfully, it's not COVID. For those of you who are not aware, uh, when we are on the road uh, and we do Grizzlies Live from the court in a visiting arena, Brevin, Fish, and I all have to do a Q test the more, the, we do it basically 12:30 uh, on a game day. Those results, the negatives, have to be passed to the NBA in order for us to have clearance to be on the court and to be on the court without masks as we broadcast. The NBA and the Players Association looking at revising their protocols. What more can they do so we don't have postponed games? So we don't have to deal with the potential of maybe putting the season on hold for a week or two until things calm down. Things got bad after Thanksgiving. Things could get worse after Christmas because people are going to be around families. Uh, you know, speaking for myself, I am as conscientious as I can be, masking even in places where it's not required to be masked. Went out to dinner with our producer in Dallas, and ain't nobody wearing a mask in a restaurant. We were the only two. Uh, but you got to be careful. And so uh, for everybody out there, I, I wish for you to remain safe and healthy and happy. Uh, if you have not been boosted and you are er, or, and you are eligible to get it, I would urge you to get it. 
those of us with the Grizzlies, we're trying to take our very, very best care to make sure that there isn't a spread of this virus among the team. So, again, we can continue to play basketball games. Uh, and that's it for Petey's points. And we're going to wrap up today's show simply by telling you that the Grizzlies will be home to the Sacramento Kings on Friday night. That will be a game that will start at 7 o'clock out here on the West Coast. So it'll be uh, 9 o'clock in Memphis, and uh, that'll mean 8.30 for Grizzlies Live, presented by Ford and your Mid-South Ford dealers. Grizzlies will return home. Quick turnaround. Grizzlies will stay over after the game on Friday night. They'll fly back on Saturday, and then Sunday afternoon it's Portland, and then back-to-back with the Thunder on the 19th and the 20th. Grizzlies get a day off. Then they fly back to the West Coast, fly back to Northern California, to take on Golden State on the 23rd. They'll spend Christmas Eve in San Francisco, Christmas morning in San Francisco. And then it's back here to Sacramento on the day after Christmas to take on the Kings. And uh, and then the Suns in a back-to-back. And then the Grizzlies come home. And we're just about ready to turn the calendar to 2022. That's a wrap for this edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.